welcome in. Great to have you with us, Side Bet Podcast. It's Thursday, January 25th. Uh, so then there were four. Championship weekend upon us, and the team is with us. Handicapper Jonathan Kinchin, better half Joe Vanina, scouring social media so you don't have to. Producer Terrence Theji, I'm Lafitte Pinkai. And first things first, want to apologize for like not having a show last week. No matter what you're about to hear, all Jonathan's fault. Not my fault. It's all Jonathan's fault. Well, f- funny enough, it seems like there's a trend. Everyone's to blame me for everything. Um, <laughs> I, uh, I'm, and I'm gonna, I'm gonna carry on the tradition, and I'm gonna blame my wife. Um, no, kidding aside, we we just got stuck in. Everyone was traveling. You were traveling. We were traveling. We had this. We had that. We had that. That they had this. And it just uh, it caught us up. But who cares if you bet the Lions to win the Super Bowl the week before? You didn't need any help last week. It's a hell of an explanation. Like I said, no show last week. Apologies. Who's to blame? Jonathan, Jovanina, Terrence. Definitely not me. Moving right along. Last week's divisional round. Yeah, so let's touch, uh, start with the Ravens and Texans. Uh, Baltimore wins and covers. Jonathan, uh, what did what was your what was your biggest takeaway? I mean, they just kind of are what we thought they were, right? I mean, they're a really good football team with a with an elite defense um, that was able to stop the train that that, that C.J. Stroud was conducting. And um, you know, they're they're they're. I don't want to say that they're an elite football team yet. I think in the next couple of weeks, maybe three weeks, exact to be exact, they'll prove that they are an elite football team. But they are elite on defense, and they have an elite quarterback. And they have some elite receivers and putting it all together to be an elite football team. Like I said, I think could take place in three weeks. They're, they're a good football team, but they, they've, they've, they might have uh, a little something to deal with coming up on uh, coming up on this weekend. Little something to deal with in the form of a Patrick Mahomes. We'll get to the AFC title game shortly. Yeah. Lamar Jackson, one in three in the playoffs before Saturday's game uh, postseason record looks more respectable now, Terrence. Like, why do I get the sense you're going to tee off on my guy now in terms of who Lamar Jackson is, how he's playing now, and who was playing very similarly a year ago this time? Yeah, well, that's one of Jonathan's notes in there. I think about uh, uh, Jalen Hurts, about uh, Lamar being who Jalen Hurts is supposed to be. Um, I'll just go back and look at last year when Lamar wasn't playing for the Ravens and what that playoff team was unable to do against the Bengals in the first round and what they were they were unable to do down the stretch of the regular season and with Lamar playing the way he is uh, as Jonathan said now he is who we knew we who we knew he was and that Ravens team now looks like a complete team and a Super Bowl champion contender Lafitte real real quick I, I this weekend on or this week on social media it's kind of recirculating an interview with Lamar Jackson after he was kind of you know sliding down the draft board and uh, Dion was interviewing him and like watching it now, you kind of get goosebumps. You know, he was, he was upset where he, where he was, where he fell. And he continued just to say that he's excited to be a Raven and what they can expect from him is, is, is a Super Bowl. And it just feels like maybe all of that is kind of coming to uh, coming to fruition. He's, he's one game away. And, and yeah, now that, that postseason record two and three, 
Uh, you mentioned we discussed Jalen Hurts a lot throughout this season. Interesting to see what changes are made in Philadelphia. Uh, Sirianni will be back. Coordinate coordinators will not. Uh, Jason Kelsey retired, uh, along with the brotherly shove, uh, perhaps. We'll see. Uh, and then 49ers Packers late on Saturday. It was the one seed versus the seven seed. First time ever. Jonathan, San Francisco, big favorites. And the Packers gave them a, a real scare. No, they did. You know, and I, I think it has a lot to do with uh, a theme that that uh, that we've been talking about is that, that Brock Purdy is a game manager. Um, he is a guy that will keep his football team in the game. But he's also a guy that if things aren't going perfectly, he's not going to put the team on his back and kind of like, you know, pro- progress them forward. Right. And I, you know, and, and, and look, I, I, I don't want to be too hard on him because I think that it's like the kind of the cute thing to do now is like, you know, there's been some other like ex players and current players that have kind of wanted to pile on to, uh, to, to Brock Purdy. And, and I, I just, I think he is what we know that he is, which is that he is not an elite quarterback but he is on an elite football team and this is a team sport. And in my opinion, Joe doesn't get mad when I say this, it's the best team sport um, in terms of, you know, it's, it's 11 on 11 and all 11 matter at all points of the, of the game. And, 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 and he's a part of a good team and it, it's working for them currently. But uh, if you bet the lions at 22 to one, a couple of weeks ago, hopefully it doesn't work for them this weekend. G uh, football, not the best team sport. Liffy, I'm trying to start doing this thing where I stop butting heads with my husband about every topic. So I'm just gonna, I'm gonna let him have this. We all know that I am a basketball girl and I'm really excited for the end of February when we could start talking more about basketball. If, if, if you two aren't butting heads, like why the hell is anybody going to listen? Uh, I'm, I'm trying to go easy on him. It's been a rough week. It's been a rough week. And just for the record, I don't know if you looked at the notes from last week's show, but Terrence and I were the only ones that did them and Jonathan didn't. I told everybody whose fault it was we didn't have a show. Mm, Thank you. Is, never mind. I was skiing and unavailable. That's that's not the point. Attitude reflect, reflects leadership. And the buck stops with you, Jake. This is unbelievable. Guys, I mean, I... I mean, you should have seen it yesterday on the flight. We didn't get upgraded, and I just was getting yelled at in an exit row. It was wild. It was really wild. <laughs> Blame yeah. Jonathan for, for – go ahead. I, I'm a first-class lady. Let's see. <laughs> no argument here. Thank you. Thank you. I bet, I bet Debo Samuel flies first class. Uh, a major impact in that game last week, and, and a conversation we'll have a little bit later on regarding the NFC title game. Terrence, uh, Debo or no Debo last Saturday, that, but like, it, no, it wasn't Brock Purdy's best game. What'd you think? Yeah, and I'm sure that not having Debo Samuel was a, was a big impact on that. But watching that game for the first three and a half quarters, like Brock Purdy looked like the problem. And if the 49ers aren't going to win on Sunday or they aren't going to win in three weeks from now at the Super Bowl, it might be a Brock Purdy problem for the 49ers. Uh, to be honest, when I watched, I saw the best player on the field was Christian McCaffrey, uh, at least the best player for the 49ers. And it looked like he saved the day, um, you know, before Lamar Jackson went off on the 49ers a few weeks back. That's why I made the argument. I thought McCaffrey should be considered for MVP because I thought he was the best player on that offense for the 
at the time was the best team in the NFL. Uh, but yeah, it looked like McCaffrey saved the day with Debo Samuel out and Purdy struggling quite a bit. Um, the Niners are going to need Debo Samuel this upcoming week against the Lions. Uh, Purdy's going to have to play better and McCaffrey will still probably be the best player on the field for them. And, and, and T, I, th- I think you bring a great point up about Debo Samuel. You know, he, he's not a guy like, uh, you know, if, if you think about back to great Super Bowl teams, right? He's not a, he's not a Randy Moss. He's not a, uh, you know, a, you know, Chris Carter didn't win the Super Bowl. Jerry Rice. Jerry Rice. Michael Irvin. He's not a guy that you, you look at as being this premier receiver that really changes a football game vertically. But he is a guy who changes the football game horizontally. And the way that they play the game, uh, being so efficient in the run game and, and doing a lot of misdirections and having an unbelievable back in, in, um, in, in Christian McCaffrey and, and having uh, George Kittle, who, who can do a lot of different things, and, and Kyle Juszczyk and, and all the things that they have. And funny enough, Joe Venus saw a picture of, of, of George Kittle with his helmet off for the first time the other day, and she was very shocked. <laughs> Debo does something that is it's hard to quantify what he's able to do with short motions and, and faking speed sweeps and and just making people account for him. He, he, he's, he's, he's almost as important as important being on the field as he is as touching the football. And uh, I, I think that whether or not he plays will definitely have an impact on the football game. You know, preparation nightmare. Uh, for the opposition in Debo Samuel, um, one of the bigger questions heading into the NFC title game. Final thoughts on Green Bay on their season. Packer fans, so much to be encouraged by. Uh, youngest roster in the NFL, and it looks like another home run at, at the quarterback position with Jordan Love. Uh, Lions Bucks uh, Sunday early game. Last week, Lions hadn't won a playoff game in 33 years, and now they've won two in two weeks. They beat the Bucks in cover, Jonathan. Um, yeah, that that wager you suggested a few weeks back about the Lions and the the Super Bowl looking pretty damn good right about now. Yeah, here's what I'll say. I, I, I you know, you guys have been with me on the the racing show as well, and if I if I'm lucky enough to be right about something, I I, I try not to like whatever. I but here's the thing. I, I do want to let people know if you if you did bet that at 22 to one, you've got some equity now. And I would encourage you to uh, Google a Dutch calculator and play around with the prices that are left um, in terms of winning the Super Bowl. Because what you've got so much equity now with the 22 to one on the Lions that you can do some things. You can eliminate, you know, you can, you can, you can bet the 49ers to win the Super Bowl um, and say that the NFC is going to definitely win the, you know, and you can, you can bet 500 bucks. If you bet a hundred on the line, bet 500 bucks, kind of try to guarantee yourself a profit. If the NFC wins, you can, or you can take the other side. Now, if you're not a, a 49ers fan and, and take the, uh, there's just, there's, there's, there's something to be done here. If you have a, a live ticket at 22 to one on the line. So just make sure that you, you, you take a look at that and feel free to DM me if you, if you have some questions about some of the things that you can do, man, I'm, I'm, I'm here. I'm here. Go ahead. I'm just confirming. It's called a Dutch calculator. Yes, honey. It's called a Dutch calculator and it is a calculator that will help you understand based on the odds, how, how much you need to bet to guarantee yourself the same return, regardless of the outcome. Wow. It just means you pay for your own calculator. 
Love it. That's it. <laughs> we're here for you, JK. Like we're re- reminding the audience of your accurate wagering tips slash advice. So, so you don't have to. And Terrence, for you, a great preseason observation. Uh, nothing expected from the Bucks this season. You liked them. They win the division. They win a playoff game and fall just short in the in the divisional round. Good call. Yeah, and as we talked about a couple of weeks ago on here, you know, I just liked them to win that bad division, uh, which was basically in my mind between them and the Saints. Uh, they were able to be uh, take advantage of a floundering Eagles roster, uh, Eagles team that was struggling quite a bit, and the Lions just were the far superior team. They were up two touchdowns. I know the Bucks had a good touchdown answer late to bring that uh, that score much closer than it looked. Uh, but the Lions were the better team, and uh, there's a big gap between the the Buccaneers and the the real NFC contending teams. Class prevails. Uh, what an atmosphere in in Detroit, um, and just you have to you have to feel you have to feel good for the fans that have waited so long for a team this good uh, in Detroit to get behind. Um, and then finally, just after the the Lions and Bucks, the matchup of the weekend: Chiefs Bills in Buffalo this time. First road playoff game for Patrick Mahomes ever, not including Super Bowls. Jonathan Mahomes, as always, delivers when it matters most. And and Josh Allen, as well as he played, but again, somehow, some way, Kansas City always seems to find a way to rip the heart out of Bills Mafia. Yeah, look, I mean, Patrick's a, an elite quarterback and, and Andy Reid's an elite coach and they've had their ups and downs, at least from a from a surface level. They've been statistically, statistically, they've actually been pretty damn good this year. Defensively, it's one of the best defenses that Patrick Mahomes has had. Very funny clip. Uh, I'm sure that people have seen on the Internet about uh, about riding the D. Um, <laughs> th- they look here. Here's the thing is that the, the thing I can take away from this game is that Patrick Mahomes is a better quarterback than Josh Allen. Josh Allen is a liability because of some of the his inconsistencies. And and although Patrick Mahomes is inconsistent as well at times this year, he, he wasn't nearly at the level that, that Josh Allen is. The one takeaway I have, and I know Joe Vanita is going to kind of um, elaborate on this situation with the kicker. Kickers get way too much credit and they get way too much blame. They have one to three times a game that they can impact the outcome. But the right guard the left tackle, the defensive end, the corner, the safety, they and the quarterback all have 400 opportunities to make plays. So when they mess up, it, it gets lost a little bit, in my opinion, in terms of, of the outcome. And, and look, the kicker missed the kick and, and it cost them. But, you know, there's a lot of other opportunities throughout that game that the Bills could have made plays that didn't put it in the hands or the foot of the kicker. He's, he's an easy target. Like that thing swerved like God himself had a bet on on KC. Gee, a lot of coping still happening in Buffalo. History repeating itself. You know, it was 30 years ago. It was Scott Norwood. And now, sadly, it's Tyler Bass's turn. Yeah, I mean, it's sad to see that he had to delete all of his social media accounts. He was receiving pretty intense death threats. And it's actually he's a very big cat person which debatable of like how that is but he's a very big cat person and people have raised a lot of Swifties actually have raised $260,000 and donated it to like a cat rescue foundation under his name 
to try to like help the fact that he was receiving death threats. But like back to Jonathan's point, we're saying, you know, it's a team sport. There were other opportunities. Like, why are we just going to come down so hard on this one person? And literally you're, I, I could never imagine being a fan of a team and like losing in the final four of their national championship and then sending a player a death threat. Could you? No, it's, it's, it's easy an easy target. It's low hanging fruit. It's emotional. No, threatening a stranger because your favorite team lost a game. Uh, I'll never no, I'll never understand. Um, different. But go ahead. That being said, Bill's mafia people do jump into like they light themselves on fire. So I don't necessarily know what is happening upstairs in their brains. You know what I mean? That was the irony of all ironies. Canceling the playoff game, postponing it 24 hours for the safety of the fans. Meantime, the fans, yeah, they're jumping off of RVs, breaking tables while that, yeah, they've incinerated themselves. <laughs> and, and real quick, speaking of the, the whole team sport concept and blaming the kicker, like, can we go back to that game and not only that game, but the second half of the season and ask, where was Stefan Diggs? Like, what has he been doing? The one time he was called upon in that game, that deep ball from Allen that was a perfect throw goes right through Diggs's hands. Like what's he been doing? That, that Allen made, I don't know that Josh Allen has thrown a better ball in his NFL career. And Stefan Diggs, who was averaging a hundred yards a game in five of the first six this season, a perennial pro bowler, one of the best at his position that yeah, Ter- that thing went right through his hands and and somehow there's a there's there's much more of the anger and vitriol pointed at the kicker as opposed to the all pro wide receiver who who let a sure touchdown or something close to it slip right through his fingers literally yeah and, so and just one last, yeah one last comment on that i just i kind of feel bad for josh allen because i feel like this is now twice that he's done enough to beat patrick mahomes in the playoffs and something else has happened to prevent that from actually occurring. It's yeah, they, they chiefs is, and you can understand that's where the emotion comes from, from the bill side of things. It's just one way or the other when the money's on the line and the postseason, the chiefs always find a way. Um, so that, that was one of the darker sides to this story. What was fun to watch Jonathan, Jason Kelsey acting like, you know, <laughs> all of us want to act opening day at, uh, at Saratoga. I was proud of him, you know, showing some support yeah, for his brother. And, and look, um, you know, the linemen are a unique group. <laughs> and, and, and it's funny, too, because, like, you got to think – and I'm not trying to get, like, weird, but you got to think about this. This is something that, like, I learned in my time, especially with high school kids, is like, you know, especially in high school, like, they're, 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 they're not the most popular kids in school, right? Like, think about what a lineman is. Like, they're big kids. Um, they're usually not, you know, they're not always like the coolest kid. They're, 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 you know, they're smarter, cerebral and, um, you know, it's, you know, they probably in, in, in fifth grade, they were probably a little chubby and they're, they're, you know, I'm not saying that Jason Kelsey had that experience. I'm sure he was a badass his entire life, but they're, they're interesting, an interesting group, you know, and, and seeing a lineman with a shirt off when it's 40 degrees outside, man, I'm here for it. Yeah, nobody grows up saying, like, I, I want to be an, an offensive tackle, if they know what that is when you're in, in third, fourth, fifth grade, G. Um, J- uh, Jason's significant. Jason's wife, how did, how did she feel about all this? 
So number one, Jonathan, I don't think it was 40 degrees. I think it was more like five degrees, which is a little wilder. Um, but his wife, her name's uh, Kylie. And it was actually Jason and Kylie's first time meeting Taylor Swift that day. So good Kylie impression. Was, right. And so Kylie was like, let's kind of be on our best behavior. Let's not make this like <laughs> awkward and uncomfortable. And she like basically looked at him and was like, don't you dare take your shirt off. And he goes, I'm just letting you know what's happening. And I'm not asking you for permission. I'm doing this. And so she was embarrassed, of course. But also now her thing is, it's so funny. It's all coming back to cats again. She's like, whenever I want to adopt a new cat, I'm just going to take the keys and be like, I'm not asking permission. I'm going to adopt an animal. Like she now is using that as like, you know, leverage to like she adopt had, more animals. She has the leverage. He he can't, exactly. he cannot, he cannot be mad. Like how would, how would you feel? How would you feel, JG, if, if your JK acted like that JK, like in a, in a, in a public setting? You know, I can't even think about that. <laughs> if Jonathan just starts taking off his clothes, I mean, I, it would be one thing, I guess, if, I mean, we do go to his brother's like shows and watch his brother perform and like is a phenomenal musician. I don't know. I don't think I'd enjoy it, Lafitte. Well, well, I, I, we'll we'll find out tonight. We'll we'll report back. We're going to uh, we're going we're going to dinner uh, in in South Beach or, or down in Miami. I'm gonna I'm just gonna go shirtless and let's see how it goes. I mean, if ever there was a place, right? If ever there was a place, and we need we need we need video for the show honestly, whenever we start to use video. I can't believe you you put that idea in his mind, Lafitte. You're I, to blame for this. I, I'm here. I'm I'm here to, to. I'm like your therapist slash instigator, you know. Slash make sure you two continue to butt heads because, like I said, if you don't, we don't have an audience. What like part of that are we not getting? Oh well, it's just like just look at our ring camera in the living room for the last week and a half, and and you'll get all the entertainment you need. <laughs> also, gee, Taylor Swift also kind of taking really good care of the uh, Highmark Stadium employees. I understand, right? I guess. What is your definition of really good care? I mean, didn't yes. she? Didn't she? She tipped. She did. She an employee tipped, like a hundred bucks or something, right? Yeah, she tipped an employee a hundred dollars and took a selfie with her. But like, I don't know. Do you think that's enough coming from a like her? Her pets are worth like multi millions of dollars. Do you think that's enough coming from? a person who is causing probably a lot of chaos and making the work environment a little bit more hectic. I hear you. Do you think? I hear you. I think, I don't know. I would think, I would think that she was satisfied with the selfie and I guess it's all relative, but a hundred dollar tip is a hundred dollar tip. Like regardless of who it's coming from, it sounds okay to me. Yeah. I'll take it. I'll take it. I'll give you a hundred. When you, when you strip down JK, I will give you more than a hundred dollars. Your wife might be mad, but I will tip you more than a hundred dollars. That's, that's happening. Right. So it's a bit already. Awesome. Now it's on the Baltimore chiefs, Ravens, AFC title game. Uh, Patrick Mahomes. This is, this caught me off guard. I guess I knew it, but I didn't until you actually hear it. Six seasons as the Kansas city chief starting quarterback, six AFC title games. That's, just mind-blowing. Uh, the Ravens, however, are favored 
by four at home. 44 and a half is the total. Terrence, what injuries are we keeping our eyes on? So it looks like good news for the Baltimore Ravens. Mark Andrews, the tight end, uh, appears to be on track to play after what many thought was a season-ending ankle injury against the Bengals uh, a month or two months back. Uh, so it looks like Mark Andrews, their starting tight end's back. Marlon Humphrey, the cornerback, is still listed as questionable, but uh, looks like a good sign that he might play. So if those two play, the Ravens are pretty much fully healthy. Uh, the Chiefs uh, offensive guard Joe Thune is not expected to play last I heard. Uh, a couple of other questionable limited participant injuries in there. But, you know, with a game of this caliber, if you're a limited participant in practice, you're likely playing on Sunday. You're likely going. Mark Andrews, I, I don't know how effective he'll be, but incredible we're even having the conversation based on what that injury looked like back in mid-November. Uh, Jonathan, how how are you approaching uh, this one, what are you what are you expecting? I, I, I look, I, I uh, there's two great quarterbacks here, and I, you know, it feels like one of those classic who has the ball last type mm-hmm. of games. But I will say this, um, I, I, I can't pick a side here. I, I just, I'm not going to play against you know Lamar Jackson at home uh, with an elite defense, and like I said, being an elite quarterback, I'm not going to play against um, Patrick Mahomes. I don't care if he's playing on Mars, he's got a chance to win. <laughs> so to me, I think the play here, if you're going to play something is I, I would look at playing the under um, there. There are teams that have two quarterbacks that people I think associate with points. I think the over under is probably a little bit, you know, inflated. It's a big game. People don't like betting unders anyways. And I, I like the idea of two really damn good defenses Mm-hmm. that are hidden behind two really damn good quarterbacks. And those are great recipes for unders because we've talked about it on the show before. First downs and stops equal unders. So you can move the ball a little bit and help with the field position, but ultimately there's a bend no break with the defense and you end up punting and short fields are avoided. And, and, and I, 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 I like the under here. It's 44 and a half. You know, I would probably obviously try to grab that hook and get the 45 so that you're, uh, you know, with, with the with the uh, six touchdowns and a field goal. But uh, I would grab that 45 if I could. But I, I like the under in that game. Uh, the, the dynamics you mentioned and the reasons why you like the, the under, I think, are, are so important. We know Baltimore loves to run. The balance Casey's offense showed against Buffalo was key. Uh, Mahomes only threw the ball like, 21, 22 times, that balance, uh, Pacheco in the run game, like that clock is going to spin. Terrence, what do you, what do you think? Yeah, I like what uh, Jonathan had to say about it coming down to the, the uh, last possession, whoever has the ball last. Um, Cause I think this game's going to end up similar to last week. I think we have another epic matchup like we had with the chiefs and the bills. I just think the Ravens defense maybe can come up with one additional stop on Mahomes in that offense. So to me, that might be the difference of the game. Uh, But I have a hard time. I have a really hard time picking a side as well, but I think that I would have a hard time giving up uh, more than a field goal in points, uh, which the Ravens are right now with four point difference there. So I don't know. It's tough. Uh, I think that I would lean toward the Ravens uh, in terms of a money line bet, just hoping that that defense can come up with one more stop than the bills were able to last week. Jonathan has said multiple times not liking the idea of betting against 
Patrick Mahomes. He's like watching Tom Brady, um, Derek Jeter, Kobe Bryant. When they're on the field, the basketball court, the, the diamond, whatever, and it really matters, they, they rarely they rarely lose. They, they rarely lose. I'm a Raider fan, don't like the Chiefs, but just respect the hell out of Patrick Mahomes, and it just feels like when it matters most, he is at his best. Uh, that's the AFC title game, the NFC title game, uh, Lions in San Francisco, 49ers favored by seven, total 51 and a half, Terrence, and, and key injuries we're watching in this one along Detroit's offensive line, one of their strengths all season, and San Francisco's aforementioned Swiss Army knife. Yeah, I'll start with the Lions because that one's pretty uh, straightforward, it looks like. Um, Frank Ragnow, the center, uh, is questionable, but he came back in and played the, the the final few drives of that game last week, so there's no way he's sitting out this week. Uh, Jonah Jackson, the offensive guard, uh, I believe has already been ruled out. He's listed as doubtful, but uh, already had a, a surgery on his uh, meniscus, so he's not playing on Sunday. So those are the two key injuries for them. They seem pretty straightforward. The big one that everyone's talking about, Debo Samuel, the wide receiver for the Niners, still questionable with that shoulder injury. Uh, and as we discussed earlier, and I'm sure we'll elaborate on now, that's that's going to have quite an impact on the game. Yeah, make no mistake, game-changing scenarios. Jared Goff really struggles with pressure. That's always been the book on him. It's interesting. He can handle the blitz, but actual pressure, he struggles. And Debo Samuel, yeah, the 49er offense, not the same. Without him, Jonathan, what are you expecting? Does this Lions-Cinderella story continue, or will uh, the the proverbial class of the AFC, NFC prevail? Well, you know, I'll, I'll say a couple of things. You know, I, I, I don't remember if this is an on-air opinion, but it is, you know, with, with the show, but I'll say this is when the Lions play the Buccaneers in the regular season. Um I really liked the Lions because they're 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 really good up front on defense, and and their their defensive line I think is is a, is a pressure type of defensive line. They're horrible on the back end, which is unfortunate. Mm-hmm. Um, they give up a lot of big plays, but they got some cat daddies on the front end. And the one thing I'll say about that is when you have someone like Baker Mayfield, who's an undersized quarterback, that causes a lot of problems, man. Guys hold you know guys that are a little bit more undersized, you know a Russell Wilson type, a Baker Mayfield type, a Brock. Purdy type, they end up holding on the ball, trying to find throwing lanes. And when you have a defensive line like that, it can really cause confusion. And so, you know, uh, rooting for my 22 to one and rooting for this lion's pick, just at least get them in the Super Bowl. I'm hoping that that impacts Brock Purdy's ability um, to kind of, you know, throw the football with, with the pressure he's going to see up front. With all that said though, you know, I think it's a little bit it, it, as happy as I am about the fact that we have this 22 to one rolling, you know, from the show. I, I don't think I think it's a sucker bet to take the Lions at seven and a half. Um, I, I think you're asking for trouble there. I, I think the 49ers are a better football team, but I do believe that the Lions could show up and have a day and and, and be in the mix to, to find themselves in the Super Bowl. I, I would look at playing the over in this game. Um, the Lions are pretty damn elite on offense. They do some really good stuff, man. They just, I mean, they throw it around, and and, and, J- and Jared Goff, when he's not being Jared Goff, is is, is pretty darn good. And uh, and and I just can't see the 49ers getting stopped very much if if they find their rhythm. So 
I don't love the game as a whole. Uh, you know, I'm, 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 I actually feel myself talking out of both sides of my mouth. I, I guess I'd play the over if I had to play something. But uh, hopefully, you play the twenty-two to one, and you can just root. We're, we're pulling for your for your for your Lions Super Bowl ticket, twenty-two to one. It's it's funny just thinking about the final four quarterbacks in the NFC this season: Brock Purdy, Jared Goff, Baker Mayfield, Jared Love. Like just like we all thought preseason, right? Uh, Terrence, who will who is going to be the last QB in the NFC standing? Goff or Purdy? Uh, I think it's Purdy. I do. Um, Maybe I'm uh, the, playing the sucker bet here that Jonathan mentioned, but I think that if minus seven or seven and a half, I'd lean toward the Lions and expect a little bit of a closer game uh, down, you know, one possession or less. Uh, I think the Lions have more offensive weapons than the Packers. Uh, and to Jonathan's point about the over, the Lions have scored quite a few points. Uh, you know, this they scored 31 last week against Tampa, and then I think it's nine times throughout the regular season they've scored 30 or more. Uh, so they could put some points up, and I think they have a better, uh, more potent offense than the Packers. So I would take the Lions plus the seven, seven and a half. I've, I've seen it at seven and a half briefly a couple places, so depending on where you get that. Um, but I do think the Niners ultimately will end up winning the game. I think it's a Niners-Ravens Super Bowl we're looking at in a few weeks. I think the the venue plays a significant role outdoors in Santa Clara. Jared Goff, take a look at his home road splits. It's jarring. Lions have spent like a lot of time under roofs this winter. Uh, the weather is going to be great, but that that's not the point. They're not at home, not under the dome. Uh, 49ers, I think, class of the NFL, in my opinion, roll to Vegas and play in Super Bowl uh, 58. And, and, and gee, we're that much closer to an usher halftime show that much closer we're getting there i promise i can't wait just for the record america was pulled and they want a lions ravens super bowl america wants to see lions ravens in in the super bowl jk wants to see lions ravens in the super bowl uh february 11th is the Super Bowl then things get pretty quiet in sports at least horse racing fans like we have derby preps but then a few weeks later, conference tournaments leading to March Madness, Terrence. College basketball, it's called March Madness for a reason. And this year, perhaps, like, perhaps even more so. More madness. More parody. Yeah, I think, uh, I know Gio have a little bit more to go into on in the parody and the NIL and the transfer portal. But uh, I just wanted to make a quick comment about Purdue. If you listen to this podcast, I don't know, a month ago, uh, we had a little bit of a, a Purdue segment. Um, and I, to be quite honest, don't watch college basketball until we get into mid-January when football starts to slow down. So in the past couple of weeks, I have watched a little bit of Purdue basketball. And uh, Zach Eady, I made a comment about a month ago about how Purdue could still struggle against teams with athletic big men. Um, I, I kind of want to take that statement back after watching him play here a couple of times this week because – the Zach Eady I saw last year and his athleticism that I've seen this year, I don't know what Purdue did with him in the offseason, but he has shown a lot more athleticism. Uh, part of the game I watched was the game against Indiana where he dove for a ball at midcourt on, you know, uh, rolling out of bounds. He grabbed the ball and threw it forward for a fast break. And like that was a play you've never seen him make before. Uh, so he is showing much more athleticism than what I saw last year, which makes Purdue all that much more dangerous. 
progressing, improving, G, the, the parity you've witnessed in, in college basketball thus far? Yeah. I mean, going back to talking about like the NIL and the transfer portal, um, I definitely think it's changing the game of college basketball, which is exciting because kids aren't, you know, coming in and going to the big schools and then leaving after a year. The fact that there is money on the table, you know, instead of, for example, Jeremy Roach, the starting guard for Duke, he's playing his best season ever at Duke basketball this year. He is eligible due to COVID for one more year to stay at Duke. And with the booster of Duke, they could pay him a lot of money instead of getting a poor draft pick and going to play in the G League. So I just think that having, I have always said since I was played basketball myself and been watching college basketball my entire life, my aunt was a women's basketball coach for University of Rhode Island. And I had always said that these kids should be getting something. They, the schools are making so much money and to keep people around and to keep them to stay instead of it just being, you know, Kentucky having an all freshman team, Duke having an all freshman team, all of these big schools constantly having these young teams. I love the NIL. I, I'm going to want to push back. I have a question. Actually, I have a, just a question to follow up with G, but first, as far as your, I want to get your take on, you've had a, a chance to watch them, them play. You don't miss a game. You beloved blue devil fan. What are, what are your expectations of, of Duke? this season? So we've had a few really terrible losses to teams that are very bad and at in Cameron, which is shocking as a Duke fan. Um, the loss to Pitt recently, they were one in five in the ACC. And um, sometimes as a Duke fan, it feels like when teams play Duke, they will have the best shooting game of their <laughs> entire career and or seven seasons ago do you know what I mean so I if Duke could stay healthy with their two starters Mark Mitchell and Jeremy Roach I think that if they play together and Kyle Filipowski plays as if he is a contender for player of the year we will go pretty far in the tournament everybody gets up for Duke it's flattering in one capacity and problematic from another you get everybody's best shot tell guys tell, i don't tell me where i'm wrong here about the transfer portal and the nil like as as a usc fan uh, it's good for schools like usc it's good for schools like texas aside from that my issue isn't anything you're going to watch unfold on a field or a basketball court etc what are we what are we teaching these young student athletes that now I feel like, and tell me where I'm wrong. It feels like they have all the leverage. They don't have to honor commitments. Like when the going gets tough, quit. When you don't have things go your way, quit. And like leave for a cozier situation. I feel like that's what we're teaching these kids and, and it feels problematic. Well, I, I, Lafitte, I, I, I love what you're saying and I, I agree with that, but I also completely disagree. I agree. I, 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 I hate the fact that like, I'm not starting, I'm going somewhere else. I'm not getting enough touches. I'm going somewhere else. I don't like the offense. I'm going somewhere else. There's a, there's mm -hmm. a lack of, of, of a willingness to, in some scenarios to uh, overcome some adversity. 
But I'll also say, if we're looking at what's fair, well, 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 when I signed here, Jim Harbaugh was a coach. Mm-hmm. When I signed here, Nick Saban was the coach. But Nick Saban is allowed to pursue things that are better for his life, his family, his career. But I'm stuck here and I have to stay here in this circumstance that has clearly changed. Like that shit's not fair to me. So like while I agree with you that it's annoying, but the, the kids in which who transfer for the easier path, they're going to have to figure out their own fate. The, the same way that coaches, you know, I think Jim Harbaugh left because Jim or John, John, John Harbaugh left. Um, wait, which one are we talking about? Jim, Jim, Jim is in, Jim. in LA now. Jim. Yeah. Yeah. Jim left in my opinion, because the NCAA was not very nice to him and he was probably going to get popped again. <laughs> so he said, all right, I'm out. See you guys. All you kids that I recruited here to win championships. I'm going to LA to not recruit and not deal with NIL and make a lot more money. Uh, good luck. I, 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 I think there's two sides to the coin. It's unfortunate. I think there's negatives that come with both of them, but I'm more in the arena of giving people some freedom to make some decisions. You raise a really good point. There's, there's G there's, there's many, many layers to this aspect of, of college sports that have, that have changed the landscape of college sports as we wind things down. Final thought. It's hard talking about transfer portal being a Duke basketball fan because no one ever transfers from Duke. They found a way that even if players aren't starting, for example, just like Sean Stewart, he came in as an All-American. He has the highest vertical of any Duke player ever existed, like ever existing. He beat Zion. He, but guess what? He's not starting. He doesn't play too many minutes. And I guarantee next year he will be on that Duke basketball bench. For me, if somebody wants to transfer because a coach left or – um, there was an academic issue or, or something of that nature, they should be allowed to transfer. And if that makes them eligible another year, let them play. That's what, that's what they're, they're not there. They're not there to go to school. <laughs> they're there to play their sport. Terrence. Yeah. The only thing I'll add is, you know, a guy like Kyle McCord at Ohio state, you know, I mean, he had a good year for Ohio state. Good year. Ohio State didn't beat Michigan again. I'm willing to bet that Ryan Day went up to Kyle McCord and said, look, you you know, next year this job's not going to be handed to you. In fact, you know, we're going to try to bring somebody in through the transfer portal. So is Kyle McCord supposed to just sit there and be a backup for his senior season or go somewhere like Syracuse where he transferred and now he gets to, you know what, he gets to be a stud on Syracuse's football team and uh, the big man on campus, but he wasn't going to be the big man in Columbus. So I don't know. I don't have a problem with, you know, I don't think he should be obligated to sit there and be a bench warmer or backup to whoever Ryan Day decided to bring in for his senior season. And so, and so, Lafitte, I have three thoughts kind of in closing and I, on the Kyle McCord thing, you know. Yeah, I mean, if it was my son, man, I, I you know, hey, bud, let's, let's, it's your senior year. You, you, let's, let's go somewhere to give yourself a chance to kind of advance your career. But there's also part of me that wants my son to stay there and compete. And, and to not walk away from the challenge and to, and to, to deal with, with what that is. But I don't think either answer is wrong. So there, there's that thing. The other thing I want to say is that Aunt Linda is not just a college basketball coach. She was a Hall of Fame basketball coach. So I think that there's a, a little bit of a, of, a, of a distinction there. And uh, somewhere along the way, I lost what my third thought was. So I'll just stick to those two. Probably keep your clothes on tonight should be your third 
I'm in a robe right now. I'm in a robe right now, Lafitte. It's all down from here, baby. <laughs> At least it's warmer there than what Jason Kelsey had to deal with. Not whether it was 40 degrees or five, his wife was not happy about him stripping down in front of Taylor Swift. Way to make a first impression. Guys, thanks so much. Thanks so much to our audience for joining us. Best of luck this weekend. Enjoy Championship Sunday. Thanks for joining us on the Side Bet Podcast. 